Welcome to Golden Gems with Dave Shaw and Bill Hansen. We review each week the career and personal life of one of the great unforgettable artists of the golden days of radio. So please join with us on a trip down memory lane as we take a look at today's artist. Then go to our website, www.goldengems.net, where we will also look at more of their career and play some of their most unforgettable great hits, which we are unable to share on the podcast. We invite you to join us there also. But for now, sit back and relax as we talk about the life of today's unforgettable artist of the golden days of radio. Well, this is Dave Sean, Bill Hansen, welcoming you to Golden Gems, our podcast today. We are talking about the Everly Brothers. Don was born in Brownie, Mullenburg County, Kentucky, on February 1, 1937, and Phil in Chicago, Illinois, on January 19, 1939. Their parents were Isaac Milford Ike Everly, Jr., 1908-1975, a guitar player, and Margaret Embry Everly, born 1919. Actors Jane Best, born Jules Guy, also from the Muhlenberg County, was the son of Ike's sister. Margaret was 15 when she married Ike, who was 26. Ike worked in coal mines from age 14. But his father encouraged him to pursue his love of music, and Ike and Margaret began singing together. The Everly brothers spent most of their childhood in Shenandoah, Iowa. They attended Longfellow Elementary School in Waterloo, Iowa for a year, but then moved to Shenandoah in 1944, where they remained through early high school. Ike Everly had a show on KMA and KFNF in Shenandoah in the mid-1940s, first with his wife and then with their sons. The brothers sang on the radio as Little Donnie and Baby Boy Phil. The family sang as the Everly family. The family moved to Knoxville, Tennessee in 1953, where the brothers attended West High School, Knoxville, Tennessee, and in 1955 the family moved to Madison, Tennessee, while the brothers moved to Nashville, Tennessee. Don had graduated from high school in 1955, and Phil attended Peabody Demonstration School in Nashville, from which he graduated in 1957. Both could now focus on recording. While in Knoxville, the brothers caught the attention of family friend Chet Atkins, manager of the RCA Victor Studios in Nashville. The brothers became a duo and moved to Nashville. Despite affiliation with RCA Victor, Atkins somehow arranged for the Everly Brothers to record for Columbia Records in early 1956. Their Keep a Lovin' Me, which Don wrote and composed, flopped, and they were dropped from the Columbia label. Atkins introduced the Everly Brothers to Wesley Rose of Acuff Rose Music Publishers. Rose told them he would secure them a recording deal if they signed to Acuff Rose as songwriters. They signed in late 1956, and in 57, Rose introduced them to Archie Blyer, who was looking for artists for his Cadence records. The Everly signed and made a recording in February 1957, 
Bye Bye Love had been rejected by 30 other acts. Their record reached number two on the pop charts behind Elvis Presley's Let Me Be Your Teddy Bear and number one on the country and number five on the R&B chart. The song by Felice and Budlow Bryant, the Everly Brothers' first million seller. Working with the Bryants, they had hits in the United States and the United Kingdom, the biggest being Wake Up Little Susie, All I Have to Do is Dream, Bird Dog, and Problems. The Everlys, though they were largely interpretive artists, also succeeded as songwriters, especially with Don's Till I Kissed You, which hit number four on the U.S. pop charts. The brothers toured with Buddy Holly in 1957 and 58. According to Holly's biographer, Philip Norman, they were responsible for persuading Holly and the Crickets to change their outfits from Levi's and T-shirts to Everly's Ivy League suits. Don said Holly wrote and composed Wishing for Them. We were all from the South, Phil observed, of their commonalities. We started in country music. Although some sources say Phil Everly was one of Holly's pallbearers in February of 59, Phil said in 1986 that he attended the funeral and sat with Holly's family, but was not a pallbearer. Don did not attend, saying, I couldn't go to the funeral. I couldn't go anywhere. I just took to my bed. After three years on Cadence, the Everleys signed with Warner Brother Records in 1960 where they recorded for 10 years. Their first Warner Brothers hit, 1960's Kathy's Clown, which they wrote and composed themselves, sold 8 million copies and became the duo's biggest selling record. Kathy's Clown was number WB1, the first selection of Warner Brothers records ever to be released in the United Kingdom. We're not Grand Old Opry. We're obviously not Perry Como, we're just pop music, but you could call us an American skiffle group. Other successful Warner Brothers singles followed in the United States, such as So Sad to Watch Good Love Go Bad, 1960, pop number seven. Walk Right Back, 1961, pop number seven. Crying in the Rain, 1962, pop number six. And That's Old Fashioned, 1962, pop number nine, their last top ten hit. From 1960 to 1962, Cadence Records released Everly Brothers singles from the vaults, including When Will I Be Loved, pop number eight, written and composed by Phil and Like Strangers. In the UK, they had top ten hits until 1965, including Lucille, So Sad, 1960, number four, Walk Right Back, Ebony Eyes, 1961, number one, Temptation, 1961, number one. Crying in the Rain, 1962, number six. And The Price of Love, 1965, number two. They had 18 singles into the UK Top 40 with Warner Brothers in the 1960s. By 1962, the Everleys had earned $35 million from record sales. In 1961, the brothers had a falling out with Wesley Rose, during the recording of Temptation, Rose was reportedly upset that the Everleys were recording a song which he had not published and hence 
for which he would not be paid any publishing royalties. Rose made efforts to block the record's release. The Everleys held firm to their position, and as a result, in the early 1960s, they were shut off from a Cuff Rose songwriters. These included Felice and Boudlow Bryant, who had written and composed most of their hits, as well as the Everleys themselves, who were still contracted to a Cuff Rose as songwriters and had written several of their own hits. From 1961 through early 1964, the Everleys recorded songs by other composers to avoid paying any royalties to a Cuff Rose. They used the pseudonym Jimmy Howard as writer or arranger on two selections that they wrote and recorded during this time. This ruse, however, was ultimately unsuccessful as a Cuff Rose gained legal possession of the copyrights once the deception was discovered. Around this time, the brothers also set up their own record label, Calliope Records for Solo Projects. Using the pseudonym Adrian Kimberly, Don recorded a big band instrumental version of Edward Alger's first Pomp and Circumstance March, which Neil Hefty arranged and which charted in the United States Top 40 in mid-1961. Further instrumental singles credited to Kimberly followed, but none of those charted. Phil formed the Keystone Family Singers, which featured Glenn Campbell and Carol King. Their lone single, Melodrama, failed to chart, and by the end of 1962, Calliope Records had gone out of business. The Everly Brothers' last U.S. Top Ten hit was 1962's That's Old Fashioned, The Way Love Should Be a song recorded but unreleased by the Cordettes and given to the brothers by their old mentor, Archie Blyer. Succeeding years saw the Everly Brothers sell fewer records in the U.S. Their enlistment in the United States Marine Corps Reserve in October 61 took them out of the spotlight. One of their few performances during their Marine service was on the Ed Sullivan Show on February 18, 1962, when they performed Jezebel and Crying in the Rain while outfitted in their Marine Corps uniforms. They continued writing and composing as well as working with the Bryant spouses. By then, however, both the Everleys were addicted to amphetamines. Don's condition was worse. As he was taking Ritalin, his addiction lasted three years until he suffered a nervous breakdown and was hospitalized to treat his addiction. The mainstream media did not report that either brothers were addicted. When Don collapsed in England in mid-October 1962, reporters were told that he had food poisoning. When the tabloid suggested that he had taken an overdose of pills, his wife and his brother insisted he was suffering physical and nervous exhaustion. Don's poor health ended their British tour. He returned to the United States leaving Phil to carry on with Joey Page, their bass player, taking Don's place. In 1970, Don released his unsuccessful first solo album. The brothers resumed performing in 1971 and issued two albums for RCA Records in 1972 and 1973. Lindsey Buckingham joined and toured with them in 72. The Everleys announced their final performance 
would take place on July 14, 1973, at Knott's Berry Farm in Buena Park, California. But tensions between the two surfaced, and Don told a reporter that he was tired of being an Everly brother. During the show, Phil smashed his guitar and walked off, leaving Don to finish the show without him, ending their collaboration. The two would not reunite musically for more than 10 years. Phil and Don pursued solo careers from 1973 to 1983. Don found some success on the U.S. country charts in the mid to late 70s in Nashville with his band, The Dead Cowboys, and played with Albert Lee. Don also performed solo at an annual country music festival in London in mid-1976. His appearance was well-received, and he was given thunderous applause, even though critics noted that the performance was uneven. Phil sang back up for Roy Wood's 1975 album, Mustard, and two songs for Warren Zevon's 1976 self-titled album. While Zavon was part of Phil Everly's backup band, Phil also suggested the title and subject matter for Devon's breakthrough single, Werewolves of London. Don recorded Every Time You Leave with Emmy Lou Harris on her 1979 album, Blue Kentucky Girl. Phil recorded more frequently, but with no chart success until the 1980s. Everly wrote, Don't Say You Don't Love Me No More, for the 1978 Clint Eastwood comedy film, Every Which Way But Loose, in which Eastwood performed it as a duet with co-star Sandra Locke. Phil also wrote One Too Many Women in Your Life, for the 1980 sequel, Any Which Way You Can, and played in the band which backed Locke. In 1983, Phil had UK success as a soloist with the album Phil Everly, recorded mainly in London. Musicians on the LP included Dire Straits guitarist Mark Knopfler, Rockpile drummer Terry Williams, and keyboard player Pete Wingfield. The track, She Means Nothing to Me, written and composed by John David Williams and featuring Cliff Richard as co-lead vocalist, was a UK top 10 hit. And Louise, written and composed by Ian Gomm, reached the top 50 in 1983. The Brothers' reunion concert at the Royal Albert Hall in London on September 23, 1983, which ended their 10-year-long solo careers, was initiated by Phil and Don alongside Terry Slater, with Wingfield as musical director. This concert was recorded for a live LP and video broadcast on cable TV in mid-January 1984. The brothers returned to the studio as a duo for the first time in over a decade, recording the album EB84, produced by Dave Edmonds. The lead single, On the Wings of a Nightingale, written and composed by Paul McCartney, was a success, top 10 adult contemporary, and returned them to the U.S. Hot 100 for their last appearance and the U.K. charts. In 1998, the brothers recorded Cold for Andrew Lloyd Webber's and Jim Steinman's musical, Whistle Down the Wind, and the recording was used in stage versions as source music. This would be the final original recording the Everly Brothers would ever make as a duo. 
The brothers joined Simon and Garfunkel in their Old Friends reunion tour of 2003 and 2004. As a tribute to the Everly brothers, Simon and Garfunkel opened their own show and had the Everlys come out in the middle of it. The live album, Old Friends, Live on Stage, contained Simon and Garfunkel discussing the Everlys' influence on their career and features all four on Bye Bye Love. The subsequent DVD features two extra solo performances by the Everlys. This was not the first time Paul Simon had performed with his heroes. In 1986, the Everlys had sung background vocals on the title track of Simon's album, Graceland. Simon and Garfunkel's The Concert in Central Park featured their interpretation of the Everlys' Wake Up Little Susie. Phil Everly sang Sweet Little Karina with country singer Vince Gill on his 2006 album These Days. Everly had previously supplied harmony vocals on J.D. Souther's White Rhythm and Blues on his, Souther's 1979 album, You're Only Lonely. Phil Everly died at Providence St. Joseph Medical Center in Burbank, California on July 3, 2014. 16 days before his 75th birthday of lung disease. Phil's widow, Patty, blamed her husband's death on his smoking habit, which caused him to develop chronic obstructive pulmonary disease and recounted Phil spending his final years having to carry oxygen tanks with him wherever he went and taking 20 different types of medication per day. Don Everly claimed in a 2014 interview with the Los Angeles Times that he'd given up smoking in the late 1960s and that Phil had stopped too, but started again during their breakup and had continued until 2001. Don said that weak lungs ran in the family as their father, Ike, had died of black lung disease. He admitted that he had lived a very difficult life with his brother, and that he and Phil had become estranged once again in later years, something that was mainly attributed to their vastly different views on politics and life, with music being the one thing they shared closely, saying, It's almost like we could read each other's mind when we sang. However, Don also stated that he had not gotten over Phil's death, saying, I always thought about him every day even when we were not speaking to each other. It still just shocks me that he's gone. Don added that he always firmly believed he would die before his brother because he was older than Phil. In a 2016 interview, Don said that he was still coping with the loss of Phil and that he'd kept some of his brother's ashes in his home. He added that he would pick up the ashes every morning and say good morning while admitting that was a peculiar ritual. A little about his legacy. The music of the Everly Brothers influenced the Beatles, who referred to themselves as the British Everly Brothers. When Paul McCartney and John Lennon were hitchhiking south to win a talent competition, they based the vocal arrangement of Please Please Me on Kathy's Clown. Keith Richard called Don Everly one of the finest rhythm players. Paul Simon, who worked with the pair on Graceland, said on the day after Phil's death, Phil and Don were the most beautiful-sounding duo I ever heard, both voices pristine and soulful, 
The Everleys were there at the crossroads of country and R&B. They witnessed and were part of the birth of rock and roll. Some of their achievements and honors included the Everly Brothers had 35 Billboard Top 100 singles, 26 in the Top 40. They hold the record for the most Top 100 singles by any duo and trail only hollow notes for the most Top 40 singles by a duo. In the UK, they had 30 chart singles, 29 in the Top 40, 13 Top 10, and 4 at number 1, between 1957 and 1984. They had 12 top 40 albums between 1960 and 2009. The Everly Brothers were among the first 10 artists inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1986. They were introduced by Neil Young, who observed that every musical group he had ever belonged to had tried and failed to copy the Everly Brothers' harmonies. On July 5, 1986, the Everleys returned to Shenandoah, Iowa, for a concert, parade, street dedication, class reunion, and other activities. Concert fees were donated to the Everly Family Scholarship Fund, which gives scholarships to middle school and high school students in Shenandoah. The brothers were inducted into the Iowa Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2003. In 1997, the brothers were awarded the Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award. They were inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame in 2001 and the Vocal Group Hall of Fame in 2004. Their contribution to music has been recognized by the Rockabilly Hall of Fame. On October 6, 1986, the Everly Brothers received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame for their work in the music industry located at 7000 Hollywood Boulevard. In 2004, Rolling Stone magazine ranked the Everly Brothers number 33 on its list of the 100 greatest artists of all time. They are also number 43 on the list of UK best-selling singles artists of all time. Thanks for being with us today, reviewing the lives and career of the Everly Brothers. If you haven't, be sure to go to our website, www.goldengems.net, and listen to some of their great hits. And join us again next time as we take a look at the life and career of another great entertainer from the golden days of radio. Thanks for being with us today. We hope you're having as much enjoyment as we are, reliving some of the unforgettable memories of the golden days of radio. To learn more about the career of today's artists and listen to several of their greatest hits, we invite you to go to our website, www.goldengems.net. May we also encourage you to tell your friends about the show. We'd love to have them join us in these little trips down memory lane. And as always, we invite your feedback or comments on goldengemsradio at gmail.com. So until next episode, this is Dave and Bill heading back into the archives to dust off some more unforgettable memories to share with you on Golden Gems. <laughs>